You're listening to the Inspire Excellence Podcast, recorded at the BVA headquarters with your hosts, Kevin Miller and Tommy Alquist. Each episode is focused on shedding new light on different perspectives to create dialogue that inspires excellence. And welcome once again to Inspire Excellence, Tommy Alquist, Kevin Miller. Tommy, great to be with you once again, sir. Great to be back, Kevin. You're, uh, you're coming off your Hawaii vacation. You're a little sun-kissed. Yes, like a lobster, sir. Like a lobster. <laughs> And Mrs. Miller had a good time? She did. She did. I had a prior back to coming to our beloved Idaho, but she's back. And uh, we're all ready to uh, to work hard to pay for another trip. Uh, I was going to say overseas, but to America, yes. Mm, that's great. Well, really excited for our guest today. Um, very, very well-known business leader here in our community. Um, and I think a couple of places we'll probably go today, Ryan, with you. Ryan DeLuca, a founder of Bodybuilding.com. And... Now off to new ventures that we'll talk about today, but also probably one of the kindest, most giving philanthropists in our in our entire state. Um, almost every event you go to, there they are. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that too. So with that in mind, Kevin, do you want to get us started off and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get right to it? Well, Ryan, uh, why do you continue to have this attachment to the Treasure Valley? Obviously, uh, what you've done is known throughout the world. You could live anywhere. Why do you live here? You know, it's a great question. And people ask me that quite a bit. I love Boise. You know, I grew up here basically since I was five years old and a lot of my friends moved away, you know, after high school, it's like, I'm going to go off, try something new. And it's amazing how many of them moved back because I'm lucky that I can travel a lot, you know? So I always say Boise is the best home base, best place to come back to all the time, even from Hawaii, you know, except for maybe this time of year, (laughs) but it's great to have a great community here that is just inspiring, right? It's a great environment, great uh, nature around you everywhere, but really is the people and the environment that you come back here and you realize after you travel around a little bit that it really is a special place. So, you know, starting ventures, you know, I started bodybuilding.com here in my garage, you know, back in 1999 in West Boise. And so you kind of get stuck, you know, when you start a business somewhere and you have uh, employees and, and team members. But at the same time, it was like lots of opportunities that we had over the years to potentially open up new offices. And we did. We opened up some in Portland. We opened up an office in San Jose, Costa Rica. And you realize that the type of people that we have here and the type of culture we have is really conducive to building a long-term viable business. So it's, it's never really been even on my mind to go anywhere else. It's great. And, and I, I, we should make it clear. We invited Jeremy because he's off doing his new new business venture, too. He's in Florida today and couldn't be with us. But hopefully he listens to this. And any chance we get, we'll just give him, you know, we'll rib him a little bit. If that's, that's right. right. Yeah. My brother, Jeremy, he's he started a new brand called Parform. So it's yeah. a brand of supplements um, for golfers, which is a pretty interesting idea. Um, but he mainly does those kind of things, I think, so we can go golfing more often. Like, so <laughs> it's, a, it's a business write off. He might he might be the smart brother. Last time I talked to him, his handicap is going down very quickly. And I said, does it really work? And he laughed. He said, but he's a smart guy. Can you tell us a little bit of your story, the bodybuilding.com story? Because I think we have a lot of business entrepreneurs out there in the Valley that listen to this and, and we get a lot of feedback from them and your names came up when we asked people, Hey, who do you want to hear? Who do you want to have on the show? I think it, 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 it is a chance for them to hear what you did and how remarkable it was. But, and, and a lot of people may not have heard the story, but tell us a little bit how that, how that took off. Sure. So, you know, like a lot of teenagers, I got into fitness and really wanted to work out and, you know, get buff and ripped. And it was all about girls, of course, and football and, you know, all that stuff. But it became more than just a passing interest for me. It was something that I just fell in love with, you know, studying all the different workouts and diets and 
and fun things like that. And so, you know, studying the industry, studying the bodybuilders. And so my goal was to become a personal trainer, to have a personal training studio after high school. And that's what I wrote my little yearbook thing. It's like, that's what I wanted to do. Luckily around that time, I graduated Capitol High School here in Boise, 1996. And that was right when the internet was taken off, right? So you started to hear about these companies creating e-commerce websites, people posting information on these forums and things like that. And that really was super inspiring to me that I could talk to people around the world, like through email lists, through these forums and bulletin boards. And it sounds funny now because it's such a normal thing for us to do, but it was magical. And I thought, man, if I could create some kind of business around this, be a part of this next revolution, you know, that people didn't understand it. It's a lot like with my new venture with virtual reality. People didn't quite understand it. They thought it's weird. Like, why would you put your credit card number out there? Why would you, why do you need a web page? And, and what is a web page? And so I, I really saw the, the potential of the internet. And so I started creating small little websites and learning how to market them, you know, selling like workout reports, things like that. So send me $5 in the mail when I'm in high school, you know, and, and I'll send you like a workout report by email, how to work out, right? How to eat right, things like that. And next thing you know, I'm starting to get, you know, 10, 20, um, you know, pieces of mail every day. My mom was wondering like, what's going on for a high school kid. That was great. Like, you know, that's $50 here and there, you know, just coming in. All I had to do is send them this, send them the report out. And then, uh, that's when I saw that the product called creatine came out. So creatine was brand new to the market right around that time. Uh, you know, all natural, safe amino acid based supplement uh, that's for muscle building and strength and it's still one of the most popular today and you could go to GNC here at the Boise Town Square Mall and buy it for like a hundred dollars for a month supply so very expensive when it came out and I said if I could buy it at wholesale and sell it online for like fifty dollars then that could be a really interesting direct-to-consumer model. So I created a little website called wholesale-creatine.com and started using a lot of the marketing knowledge and, and you know some of the affiliate marketing knowledge that I had gained. And at first, really nothing happened. It was really slow and you know I would get maybe one order here and there. And I thought maybe it wasn't gonna work. I went on a vacation with my family, came back like a week later, had a little piece of mail in my mailbox that said, there's so much mail, it's at the post office. Like, go pick up bags of it, you know? <laughs> so that's when I actually uh, worked with my brother, Jeremy. I said, hey, you got to come over every day. He was still in high school. This is right after high school for me. And come over to my house in my garage. We're going to fill the orders and, and, uh, and just really build it that way. And then a little while later, I saw that the name bodybuilding.com was owned by somebody, but they weren't using it. So I emailed them a couple of times and said, hey, like sell it to me. And they weren't interested because they were going to use it. But then like a year later, they still weren't using it. So I said, hey, come on, like this is a waste, like give it to me, you know? And they said, okay, fine. We went back and forth. They said, $20,000 and it's yours. And I got that email and I was, I remember running around my house. Like I just got called down on the prices, right? <laughs> you know, like I was so excited. And of course my dad yelled at me said, what are you doing? Spending all this money on this, on this name for this thing. And, uh, but that really, that was April 13th, 1999. We went live with the website. And then it basically was a roller coaster ride 24 seven for 17 years as we grew a great company here that became the most visited fitness website in the world. It became the largest e-commerce retailer of sports nutrition and uh, supplements. And uh, we had 800 employees and nearly 500 million in annual revenue when I retired uh, in 2015. Can I ask one quick follow-up question? A lot of people in business um, think, oh, those guys got lucky. Mm -hmm. Uh, or, Hey, it was a great idea, but you got that, that, you, that website, you had the vision to do it, but boy, I'll tell you in my life, I don't know of anyone and more I've been around you and your brother. T tell us a little bit about the work ethic side of building this, um, you know, what it, what it took 
to build this multi-million dollar, you know, international business that then you ended up selling for a lot of money. But talk about the work. And it is true. Some people do say like, oh, you know, you got that name. That's a great name. A lot of people had breaks like that that didn't turn it into something. And we really did go 24-7. I mean, I sacrificed my entire 20s where all my friends were out having fun and, and, and doing a lot of fun things that all I did was work basically literally like 24-7. I wasn't sleeping. And because what's amazing is with the Internet, there's so much competition. Like it's literally a click away and it's only getting worse, of course, as we all know in that way. And so for us to stay ahead of the game, we had to constantly stay ahead of technology. So instead of just putting up a website to sell products, which is what most people did back then, we also created a content area of the website. We said, you know, people that are interested in fitness, they may not be searching for creatine today, but they're searching for muscle building. They're searching for fat loss. They're searching for getting better at football. So let's get in front of them that way. Let's go and help them to guide them. And then we'll sell submits on the back and say, hey, here's a workout program for you. Here's how to stay motivated. Here's a nutrition program. Try these products. By the way, we have them for sale over at our other side of the website. And we'll ship it to you right away at the best price. And so creating a full scale business had content, commerce, community, really made it so that we created this competitive moat around our business that was difficult for people to copy. And it also fully serviced the customer because most people are just interested in selling a product. And I realized that people weren't coming to me to buy pills and powders, right? Nobody wakes up and goes, I just want to buy a whole bunch of powder and pills of some kind, you know, some protein or something. They wake up and they say, I'm unhappy where I am in my life. And I feel like fitness can help me to take it to the next level. So we created a company around that. You know, I've, I've been around a lot of people recently and now there's this buzzword out there is you got to create a community, right? If you create a community, that's where the value is. And every time I hear that, I, I smile a little bit because I think of you and Jeremy, I mean, this is back this is all brand new and you build a community before anyone knew what you were even doing, right? You had that vision. One other thing I was going to say is one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Emily Dickinson and it's luck is not chance. It's toil. Fortune's expensive smile is earned. And I love that just because uh, the more you get around successful, super successful people, the more you realize just what, what went into it. So that's great. Kevin, any follow-up for, for this first thing before we pivot? Well, I, I was just going to say, uh, Mr. DeLuca, I've, uh, I've known about you for years. In a prior life, I uh, was east of the Great River and would go yearly to uh, the Arnold Classic. And a friend of mine would have a booth there. And I, I can recall my buddy, and you and your brother were there, very young, and talking about bodybuilding.com. And we're going, a website for bodybuilding? What's that all about? So, you know, as fortune or whatever you want to say has brought me here, it's amazing to see uh, your progress, but what was it like as a young person? And if you could, for people that aren't familiar with the Arnold classic, just how ultra competitive, ultra cynical, ultra enthusiastic those folks are. It's a very unique world, sir. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's interesting thinking about the name bodybuilding.com. People assumed all of our customers were these huge, you know, ripped competitive bodybuilders. It really was the, the average person you see at a, at a gold's gym or at axiom, you know, it was a person that aspired to a high level of fitness, you know, when we would meet our customers, but the bodybuilders were the ones that were, were the ones that were inspiring people. You know, there's, there's always that one guy at the gym that you ask the questions to, and, and we want to make sure that we were on you know, the right side. So for that, that whole industry is very competitive. And uh, there's there's a lot of different type of fun personalities, which you know, <laughs> most industries, of course, you know, right. but you definitely get to meet uh, quite a bit of them. But th there is a lot of cynicism around new products because as we all see, right, like snake oil was a supplement. Right. People know infomercials. They know that that there's all sorts of people out there trying to scam people to just buy a product and make money and then they're gone. And you would see new entrants all the time, websites, brands that you could just tell this product had a lot of great marketing around it. 
but it didn't really work for the customer. Creating the community helped us to go around that because you, when you talk to your friends about a product, they're not going to give you the marketing. They're going to say this worked or it didn't. So that allowed us to create reviews before there was really a such thing as reviews, allow people to ask questions of each other. And so being really young in the industry, you know, I'd never met a CEO. I'd never met a, another entrepreneur like my whole life. And you know, there wasn't a lot of, of people like that around me. So I had to really figure it out for myself. And that's when I went to the University of Barnes and Noble, you know, right. and uh, really, really focused quite a bit on trying to learn as much as I can, because I think going back to the, the idea of luck, um, there's always a luck factor. But reading a book recently was telling me that that when the, the better you the harder you work, the more you create like a company that people really care about, that's innovative, that's doing something good for the world. People want to be around that. People want to work for that. That's hard to find. It's hard to find a company that's doing something that's more about more than just making money. And when you start to attract all these really smart people and all these other people that want to come and help you, then a whole bunch of things happen, some good, some bad. And then those lucky things you, you really attach onto. And I look back and think, man, I can't believe I was able to, to hire this person, or I can't believe we were able to get this thing done. And it feels like a lot of luck happened a whole bunch of times in a row. But if you set yourself up in this right way, those things are more likely to happen. When uh, you gave a talk, you probably won't remember this, but it was probably eight or nine years ago that I went to, and it was a room full of business leaders. And I'll never forget the culture you talked about of work in your company. And then more importantly, you went on to customers and you had a part of your speech that was about, hey, we spend a lot of time going out and reaching an audience or customers or whoever, whoever you're, you're, you're interacting with. And you talked about retention of customers. And I'll never forget it. I mean, our whole table stood there and just listened to that. But um, there was a lot that went into your culture and there was a lot that went into the way you guys were successful. But but retention and creating that community, you were so far ahead of your time. It was just it's unbelievable looking back now. Well, you know, you realize really quickly that for a product that you're going to use and you need to buy over and over again, right? It can be a great business versus selling a one-off product and you got to find new customers. So for us, retention is going to be everything. And people, most people don't stick to their fitness programs. You know, it's an interesting problem that most of our customers stop working out. You know, we didn't lose most of our customers to Amazon or GNC. We lost them to the couch. We would always say like, we would call up customers and say, why aren't they still buying from us? You know, you were buying for a few months and then you stopped like what competitor, where did you get a better price somewhere? And they would get kind of awkward and say, well, I haven't really used all the product yet. I've kind of been off my program a little bit. So it's kind of an interesting thing where it was a big focus for us that if we could be on the side of the customer and help them to reach their goals, help them to stick to their program, get results because results are motivating, then that's going to be the thing that's going to help them to continue to purchase from us, allow us to continue to meet our goals and to grow a really good company. Hmm. So most of what we would talk about was that, you know, we have a mission and our mission is to help people reach their health, fitness and transformation goals and lifestyle goals. And we're going to do that through information, motivation and supplementation. And every single thing we did, like that would be like every new employee, I'd have a new hire orientation. I would personally meet with them and say, if there's anything that we're doing as a company that's not for that mission, then you come into my office and let me know because it's a waste of time. And so building a culture around fitness around the customer did inspire a lot of people, did create an amazing workplace that, I mean, it literally, I would be sitting in my office sometimes, somebody would walk in that I didn't recognize and, you know, some 40 year old man. And, and I think he was trying to sell me something, how to get past the front desk, you know, <laughs> sat down and he said, you know, Ryan, a year ago, one of my friends passed away. He was only 45, a little bit older than I was. And he had health problems. And he left his children behind. And he said, I looked at him and I realized that was me in a couple of years. And then he found bodybuilding.com. He found the products. He mm -hmm. found the website. He found the community and the support. And he literally started crying in my office, you know, which is kind of an awkward thing, but, but obviously very moving. 
And when you realize that the potential for fitness and health to change people's lives is fundamental, it's almost nothing you can do better in your life because it affects every other part yeah. of your life. And so that uh, putting the focus on that with the culture, what we're really doing for our customers really paid off uh, in a lot of ways when it came for our success. That's great. You know, Ryan, I just go back to the fitness culture and Tommy's going to have to pull me away from the weeds here, but it's, you know, you've got Joe Weider, muscle and fitness, all these people, Tommy, that they have like, I mean, 21 inch arms and they have these outgoing personalities and you hear you have Ryan and Jeremy coming in from Idaho and then all of a sudden they're at Gold's Gym in Venice, the mecca of bodybuilding. I mean, and again, to do this at a young age, I mean, you have multi-billion dollar companies that you were competing against two kids out of Idaho. Can you take us through that process? I mean, it was quite intimidating, <laughs> you know, going to some of these first Olympia and Arnold expos and, and seeing everybody. And, and, you know, when you're here in Boise, sometimes you're in a good way secluded from all that, right? You're not seeing it every day. And so when you would go to one of these expos and then it's right in front of your face, it was like, like I said, quite intimidating, motivating in a way, but there's something really nice about being back here in Idaho where you're out of the middle of the, the craziness is that you can really focus on what's important and you're not just trying to show off. You know, we always, you always notice people like obviously like the LA kind of idea where everyone's just kind of pretending that they're better than they are. And you spend a lot of effort to do that. It takes a lot of mental, mm -hmm. emotional energy to pretend, you know, where in Boise, we just, we're just not like that. We're not pretentious, you know, and uh, hopefully it stays that way. So we could focus on what really matters and people can see what really matters. So I think looking back, competing against them, what the benefit for us, of course, was the internet. Like to start something new, to compete against incumbents, you can't do what they're doing. Like if anybody wants to create a new airline that just compete against Delta or compete against Facebook with social media, it's just not going to happen. You know, either they're going to buy out or they're going to be able to beat you. It's just not going to happen. And so like Snapchat's dealing with that with Facebook. They just copy all their features and they and Snapchat is now struggling. And so it really is. If there's some new innovation, you look at it and say, how can I use this new innovation to compete? Because when a company's running, they have a, a, a revenue stream. They have a business process that they're following. And to change that midstream is extremely difficult. I was actually meeting, you know, our parent company eventually had, had purchased bottom.com was uh, Liberty Media out of Denver. And they ran a bunch of cable companies. And so you would sit there and meet with like Stars Network, right? Some of these executives and some, you know, smart person in the other side of the room would say, hey, you know, the Internet's coming. You need to stream all your stuff for free on the Internet. And, you know, then he pats himself on the back because he's an innovator, right? Well, Stars is going like, we get a billion dollars, you know, billions of dollars a year in payments from the cable networks for us to be part of that. You want us just to turn it off and just like hope that it gets better. And so they can't. So that makes it so that if there's some new innovation that you can see is coming, that you can jump on and say, what is the new value that this innovation brings to the industry? And for us with the internet, it was the community aspect. It was the content that we could have like unlimited amount of content versus the one issue of the magazine every month. We could have unlimited writers, you know, we could, we could do all that kind of stuff and that, and it was more accessible, immediate access, immediately accessible. Right. And so that sounds like a, you know, a normal thing now, but back then it was, it was an innovation. It was a revolution and jumping on that, seeing that before anybody else was really the, the key to, to getting started. So you're doing this again now. I mean, uh, maybe, maybe break a little bit from business for a minute. So you and Jeremy, you ring the bell, right? You, you create this great company and it was purchased by, by Liberty media. Tell us a little bit about your philanthropy. Um, why it's so important to you and what you do. Again, 
uh, having, you know, we go to a lot of these events and you see a lot of people, the same people that are donating money for, for good causes, you and your brother are always there. I mean, it's just everywhere you go, you're there. Why is it important to you? And, and tell us a little bit about, about what you're doing on the philanthropy side. Sure. Uh, you know, it's interesting when I first, you know, we had sold part of the company to a private equity group, uh, years ago. Um, so, you know, once again, I'm this kid from Idaho. I never even met another CEO, you know, and this business thing that we're just kind of working on in our garage, like starts to take off and we become a multi-million dollar business and Inc 500 company. And suddenly people come to us and say, Hey, have you ever thought about like selling a part of it? You know, because you could kind of cash out and we had been just constantly, you know, we were profitable since the beginning, never took investment, never took loans, but we were always putting the money back in, you know, so it was always kind of like payrolls coming up and you know, <laughs> here, here we go. It's kind of on that edge all the time. And somebody came to us and said, Hey, like we could, we can give you millions of dollars. And, uh, so of course that's an interesting thing. And that's a whole three hour podcast for later, you know, <laughs> about the ups and downs of that. Uh, but when it finally happened, it was this weird form of guilt that I felt almost like immediately. And I never expected it that like, okay, I did a lot of interesting things. I feel like I worked hard. I feel like I helped a lot of people and, and made a difference and provided a good service. Right. But at the same time now for the rest of my life, if I want, everybody serves me, I can go to the best restaurants. I can have people delivering clothing and cars and food, you know, and they have to work for me and clean up after me like the rest of my life. And it almost felt like really wrong. Like, I almost feel like I didn't deserve it, you know, like that, that it just wasn't, it wasn't a normal thing. And so in a lot of ways, giving back is the natural way to think of, you know, I've been very lucky in a lot of ways, being born in America, you know, being around at the right time when the internet was starting, the team members that came around me, you know, all the different things that have to come into line to, to get into that position, uh, which I'm very thankful for. And how can I help and give back to that same community and do something interesting, right? So I obviously donate financially to a lot of my favorite charities and and try to help out with people that are going through issues that can be a slippery slope also you know because you never know which things are actually worthwhile right and you get you know a couple messages a day on facebook people asking for stuff you know and at first it'd be like i'd, I'd you know feel uncomfortable with that but it's like i'm going to make some choices you know which i'm going to what i'm going to do but the biggest thing is you know when i became a pilot uh, years ago and i've been flying for about 15 years, uh, just as a side hobby for fun. And I realized that I have a special skill that I, I have a plane, you know, 10 seat turboprop PC 12 that, and I have a skill, uh, being able to fly and that obviously costs a lot of money, but it's something that that's something unique I can do, you know, giving money, uh, lots of people can do and they should do. And it's a great thing. And, but being able to fly for angel flight, you know, so angel flight does not emergency medical flights for people in need, right. To take them to doctors, to, to get them out of domestic violence situations. So then you can sign up and you can go and, and when there's missions available, go pick up these people from usually some remote area uh, of the Northwest and then take them to the a doctor, usually like Salt Lake or, or Portland. And, uh, and being able to do that kind of stuff as well as like, you know, the stuff I do with the, the animal shelters, there's a lot of kill shelters in usually Southern California. People drop off their dogs thinking, oh, I can't do it, but they're going to get a good home. But they're almost always killed within 24 hours. And so I can go down there through Wings of Rescue and pick up like 50 or 100 dogs if they're smaller ones and like pack the plane, you know, which is a pretty fun thing. It, it smells kind of funny for a while, <laughs> but then take them to, to no-kill shelters, usually like in Boise or, or Northern Washington. And so the, the long, that's a long answer, but it's really that I love being a part of all these charities and I do get a lot of meaning from it. And I realize I have something special that I can offer and I really want to use that uh, to inspire my children and, and to hopefully be a better part of the community. Fantastic. You mentioned on the way in, you have a make-a-wish flight 
Tomorrow. Uh, today, actually. Today. Yeah. Yeah. So 5 p.m. today, uh, doing a Make-A-Wish flight. And what's nice is usually they want to go somewhere fun. So we're going to Palm Springs for the weekend. So it's a tough That's sacrifice, great. but I guess I'll do it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, okay. Can we get into to your new innovation, which is truly off the chart? I mean, if you think back, go back to the late 90s, what the internet was, what what you just went through. But now you're you're getting into VR in a big way. And uh, talk talk us through where the idea came from, and then and then where you are in the current rollout. So a few years ago, when I was still at Bodyman.com, you hear about virtual reality. You know, you heard about it in the 1990s, and it was you know a lot of people were trying to get it to come out, but the technology really wasn't ready. Um, but this kid named Palmer Lucky created this Kickstarter campaign called uh, Oculus for the Oculus virtual reality headset, and it got a lot of attention. It was like the biggest Kickstarter campaign of the time. And then about six months or a year later, they were bought by Facebook for like two billion dollars. You know, so it was kind of like this big deal where you're like, whoa, there's this there's this big thing going on, and so it felt a lot like the internet where a lot of people are confused about it, right? So what is virtual reality? Is it one of those little mobile headsets that people put on, you look around and it's kind of a 360 view? The virtual reality that we work with, the room scale virtual reality with the Oculus Rift, HTC Vive and things like that, like you can walk around a full area and move and it moves just the same way that you do. And the immersive quality of going into a new place is unbelievably powerful. And it's powerful for travel. It's powerful for mental health. It's powerful for obviously gaming and entertainment. It's powerful for social communities. And you start to research, the more, more you research about it, you realize that this is coming wave is, is going to be bigger than the internet. All these different things are converging where people are going to be living in these social and virtual worlds, augmented reality. You know, everybody's thinking Apple's going to come out with their glasses 2020. It's, it really is the next evolution. They call it spatial computing where uh, it's, it's going to change the world in a lot of ways. So after I retired 2015, I said, okay, I want to do something new. I tried to be retired for a while. You know, it lasted six months before I was borderline like depressed and, and, uh, and had really didn't have that meaning in my life anymore. And I realized I have to get back into it, back in the startup phase. And looking at virtual reality, like this, one of those fundamental new technologies, what could, what could we do with it? And what can I do with fitness? put it together with fitness because that's my expertise. That's my knowledge. That's my passion, my background, right? My network. And I really had no idea. It was just like, great. I think there's something here. Uh, so I, my co-founder Preston Lewis and I, we said, okay, let's just go tackle this. And it really was an iterative process of saying, what is the new value that virtual reality brings? And we found out that esports and video games, people are addicted to, they can't stop playing them. Right. We always, you hear about Fortnite addiction. People are actually going to Fortnite rehab. Right. In the UK, there was like 100 divorce petitions last year that mentioned Fortnite, you know, and we all know that feeling where you're playing the game on your phone or you're playing the game a little bit too much one night and the time just passes so fast. And the value to you is short term entertainment. And then your rest of your life is worse. You lose relationships. You're not working on the other things. You lose fitness. But fitness is a habit that you wish you could create. You wish you could be doing it more often because you want the benefits, but it's boring and it's painful and you don't get immediate results. You don't see anything, right? And you have to do the same thing over and over. So we said, what if you could take the benefits and the addictive qualities of esports and video games? People have created these, you know, the best behavioral psychologists in the world create video games. You know, they figured out how to make the screen make you addicted. Like there's a game called Clash Royale on mobile, most popular like mobile game. And it's a free to play game that they made a billion dollars in revenue last year off it and about 900 million in profit because people just paid to like upgrade and go faster. Same with like Fortnite, free to play game. How can we take that and put it with fitness? Well, virtual reality allows you to go inside the game and use your body as a controller. And once we realize that your pain perception is less when you're focused on something else, not just focusing on the rep or on the, on the treadmill, you know, your time perception is, is faster. 
So you'll go in there and do a 30 minute hardcore workout and it feels like it was 10 minutes versus the opposite on a treadmill, right? Your first 30 minutes on a treadmill, you realize it's only been two minutes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's the opposite. So that just felt like a, a, an obvious thing. And so how can we put resistance training, a real serious workout, not just like a little cardio kind of we fit type of thing inside virtual reality. And that's what we really worked on tackling. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm uh, head spinning here. And you get all this from the University of Barnes and Noble? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we have, we, we hired a great team, of course, and, and all that, but reading is, is a, is a critical. Right. There has part. to be more to you though, than just hiring great people. I mean, uh, your, your quest for knowledge, uh, that's, a, that's just, uh, incredible. What, um, what advice would you give people? I'm sure everybody always says, Ryan, how can I be like you? We all know we can't be like you and Jeremy, but what advice do you give people? The number one thing I tell people is that it's not going to be a fast process. You know, you have to have the daily habits and it's amazing how many people don't like that answer because they want that secret, right? Just do this and then you make millions of dollars and you're mm -hmm. super successful. But I say, well, how is your sleep? Are you getting at least eight hours a night? How is your workout program? Because your, your workout program is going to affect your energy levels, your brain, like how your workouts affect your brain is actually almost more powerful than how it affects the rest of your body. What does your diet look like? You know, what are, what are you spending your time on? What are you reading? You know, what's the last book you're reading? You know, what audiobooks and podcasts are you listening to? And of course they're like, well, no, 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 I understand all that. And, and I'm not doing those things, but you know, what's the secret. And so when I think back, I'm like, I do feel like sometimes I pinch myself, like how do I keep getting myself into these great situations with great people around me? And I think it's, I focus on sleep. I focus on my workouts. I focus on my diet. I focus on reading constantly and you know and and filling my brain with those things talking to people about interesting things and then somehow magically that all turns into good things happening and good ideas you know sometimes people look at like hey if i practice juggling every single day i'd be a really good juggler and then if i said hey you want to be a great juggler you have to do the same thing like no what's the one secret to like do it tomorrow or you know it's just it's the same thing though your brain automatically just goes to work on all these things if you give it the right habits there's one other thing I wonder if you could touch on. I've known a lot of people that have worked for you over the years um, because of where I live. And um, tell us about the importance of, of, I don't know if it's kindness or the way you treat other people, the way you inspire other people, because there's an element of that with you and Jeremy too. And and how is that important to those people? Because there's a difference between being driven and, and type A and, hey, we're going to do all this stuff. You need that. You need that work. But But how does that balance with how you treat people? Sometimes I feel lucky to be raised by a single mom, you know, because she was uh, always smiling. She worked really hard, you know, like, you know, supporting four children. And um, and she always, like I said, always had a smile on her face, always was nice to everybody, you know, no matter how hard things were. And seeing that as a role model, I think really made a difference for me. And having empathy for people, understanding like what their needs are, not just your own and realizing that, you know, being selfish or only, only caring about yourself is going to pretty, pretty much put you in a bad spot for your life, you know, in every part of your life. And so I think it's doing unto others what you want them to do to you and what kind of environment would you want? And when I think about that, it's, I, I really spent a lot of time on that, right? So making sure they have the right communication, make sure they have a, a, a workplace that they love, make sure that they're supported. You know, so we had a reading program at bodybuilding.com where we paid people to read books, you know, so if you'll read a book, write a little report, then we will, you know, give you extra bonus. And people would say they started for the money. But then they started to realize that it was making a big difference for the rest of their life, supporting their, their workouts, you know, creating a big gym there for free where people can go and, and work out there and, and, and support them in that way. But people realize that you're authentically supporting them and that you are authentically leading them in a way that really matters. It's the second they feel like it's they're, you're being used, 
that they just want to be, you know, that you just want them to work hard because, you know, it's going to make you rich, you know, like, Hey, if you guys work really hard, I'm going to make a lot of money. Like that's not inspiring to anybody. And if, once they realize that, look, we're all here on, on the same team and we're all trying to do this and we're all going to be successful and we're all going to share in the rewards. People feel that and they realize that you authentically care about them. Then that makes the, all the difference in the world. I'm going back to the, what was it? The three C's, the four C's. What was that again? Commerce, commerce, content and community. Yeah. And you live by that today. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's, it's really is the same thing with black box VR with our team. It's amazing how many of of the basic principles are the same, you know, live with a mission-based company, um, that is going to do social good. That's going to make a difference for people and share that, share that with the team. When somebody tells me something good about black box or back then at bodybuilding, like I immediately shared it with the rest of the team. They deserve to hear the same thing because they are the ones that did the work. And so it really was, we're going to work hard on something that we really care about. And we're going to focus on each other as a team. And, you know, the worst thing inside a team, of course, is people with big egos or, or political, you know, kind of wanting to hold on to their little areas and, and care about themselves. And we would, you know, make sure we don't hire those people or, or root them out. But when it really is a, a close team, that community of people that we have and, and that it can create a business that actually makes a difference. It's kind of cliche, but it's actually a, a magical thing. Hey, before we wrap up here, this has gone so quickly. Can you tell us a little bit, what, what are the next things to look for with your company? I know you've got some exciting things going on, but maybe for our listeners, just what are, what's coming up in the few months for them to watch for? So Black Box VR, we, we built a great team and uh, we're, we've really worked hard on iterating on what this product could be. And now we have a full resistance device. It's a cable machine that uses some servo motors, electronic resistance that hooks into a game engine that has created this eSport kind of battle arena fantasy world where you go in and you get this insanely intense, super fun workout three times a week, 30 minutes at a time, gives you the right volume per body part at the right intensities based on science to give you results. And we're doing a lot of testing with it continually, user testing, beta gym testing here in Boise. But next up is commercial launch. So, you know, we were great, very lucky to have uh, get best startup at CES last year. So out of 800 startups right here in Boise, uh, which was really a cool thing and be on the Today Show and BBC and all the different networks and stuff. But now it's creating it a real product and getting it out there commercially. So our first gym is going to launch in San Francisco, right across from Twitter headquarters on Market Street. It's 4,100 square feet. We'll have 14 different booths with the machines in there and there'll be like an orange theory fitness style membership model where people have a hero access pass and they can come in using their companion app, schedule different times and with their teams, with themselves, go in and, and get a really great workout. So the next step is really to iterate on a business model. It's to say, Hey, let's go out there and have real customers, get their feedback, change the product based on that and look at the business model and then figure out how to scale from there. And then the scaling options are either continually more, corporate locations or franchise model, which once again, Orange Theory Fitness is a good example. Boutique gyms, they've grown to like a thousand gyms across the country in a very short period of time with this franchise boutique model that we think we could bring something new to the table. Before we get to the, uh, the, the big question, uh, more unique personalities, people at these bodybuilding shows, the Mr. Olympia or people at the, the CES? Oh man. <laughs> yeah. You know what the crazy thing? Another thing I think I've been lucky with is <clears throat> fitness and technology usually doesn't right. mix. I know you're you know? saying sets yeah. and reps and then algorithms. I'm right. my head's exploding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's fun. It's fun to find the people that are in that intersection that they love working out in fitness and they understand the algorithms and it's, it's hard to find, but they're going to be super passionate because there's not a lot of places to go. You go to a tech industry, they're almost like anti-fitness sometimes. Right. You know, I was in a Uber one time with somebody that was like, yeah, me and my wife, we decided when we got married that we were never going to work out. And it was like, 
wait, like, like you made it a, like a, a principle, you know, like, cause they just didn't want to be that type of person that just thought they were better. Cause it has this weird mindset around that fitness was just like egos and, and, you know, bros and stuff like that. Um, but then you go to the, the sports expos and the bodybuilding expos and their big technology, which they're very excited about starting to use is a social media page. You know, maybe they'll get like a mobile app, right? That's like, you go there and they go <laughs> right. 10 technology trends and it's like create an Instagram page and it's like kind of a little bit of an eye roll, right? So it's kind of an interesting thing. Fitness and technology, not a lot of people play there. So it gives you a, a really good opportunity. Also. Sure. I don't think you answered the question, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, what inspires you, Ryan? You know, it's a great question. I'm inspired every day by obviously my family and, and the team that's around me. But thinking about what really inspires me, I really went through a tough time when I retired. And it sounds funny because that's the dream that everybody wants. Everybody dreams about winning the lottery or starting a business and retiring, going to the beach, you know, and I did that. I went to Thailand and went around the world and, and just was able to just do whatever I wanted in luxury resorts. And if everybody thinks, man, if I could just sit on the beach, have a pina colada in my hand and no worries, then I would finally be happy. And it's amazing how many people think that because they think about their daily stresses. But the truth is science has shown positive psychology shows that that's usually the fastest way to depression and even suicide. Because if you don't have something that you're really focused on and the secret really is having something you focus on that you are working hard at, that you're passionate about, but it also has to be something that makes a difference for other people. And that, if you can do that, you can have that meaningful life that gives you that true happiness. So I would say seeing people that do that, because I've seen a lot of people that made a lot of money and then they just go to Vegas, then they just party, they just have fun. They, they just, they, you know, everybody, you know, is jealous of them. But when you talk to them, they're, they're depressed, they're unhappy. They don't like their life. They say everybody else is working. It's great fun on the weekends. Monday, you get caught up. Tuesday, there's nothing to do. So let's go to the bar and see who else is there at, at 2 p.m. And it's not the right type of people. And if you don't have something like that, it's going to be a fast downward spiral. So I'd say what inspires me are people like Elon Musk, right? That doesn't have to work, but he's solving big problems and he's putting himself out there to criticism, to, to people saying that it's a stupid idea, to, to financial ruin. Uh, people like obviously Steve Jobs after all the years that he could have went off and just went to the beach. And it's funny, you know, this might sound funny, but Tommy Alquist, I, I'm unbelievably shocked <laughs> by how many things you're doing, like running for governor, putting up your own money, putting up so much time. Like I, I went on the campaign trail a few times with you and I can't believe the energy and the amount of time and effort that it takes to do something like that when you don't have to. You've been very successful entrepreneur and, and other careers. You, did, you don't have to do any of that stuff. And then it's actually funny. Nobody would have blamed you for taking two years off after, you know, the campaign and just say, I'm just going to kind of just take a breather, maybe do something new. It felt like the next day here's announcing 10 new ventures. <laughs> right. And so that's a difficult thing. And it takes a certain type of personality when they realize that they have something to offer and that they can do things for the world that can, can make the world better, can make their families better make the community better. And they're not willing to just be selfish and just, just sit on the beach. And so that, that inspires me to want to be as much like those people as I can. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. I, you know, at the end of this, I just want to tell you, you know, I, I've been around a lot of different leaders in our state and we have a great state full of great people, but being around you and Jeremy uh, is truly inspiring. And, and there's the whole business side, which is just, I, I can tell you almost every time I'm with you guys, I walk around learning something and that, that inspires me. But, but the way you guys give back, and I think you've said it a couple of times today as I've been listening, authenticity. I mean, authenticity is what makes 
people great. And um, I think your authenticity, who you are, uh, I give a lot of credit to your mom because uh, you guys get it. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on here with us today. And I'm sure people that listen to this will be inspired by you. I'm inspired. Let's let's go work out in virtual reality. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll spot you in the first round. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, thank you all for listening. This has been the Inspire Excellence Podcast. You've been listening to the Inspire Excellence Podcast. We invite you to find something that inspires you this week. Join us again for our next episode.